Reframing Worlds, Mobility and Gender in a Postcolonial Feminist Perspective. Hello, my name is Elsa Gopperson. I am from Bainbridge Island, Washington, and I am an organismal biology and ecology major and creative writing minor at Colorado College. I will be podcasting the session that we did at the art exhibit that I just mentioned the title of, and I am excited for this exhibit for so many reasons. After reading the bio of describing the exhibit, I am really excited to learn how the intersection of erased colonial history in Germany and various narratives of different women coincide, especially because the list of women they gave, I'm not really sure going into it how these women are going to connect. They are all from various eras, different countries, they participate in different occupations, they are part they are a part of completely different stories, and so I'm really excited to see how that plays out. And I'm also really excited to see how the exhibit problematizes the origin of knowledge and the gaps in history and how these women relate to that independently of which like country they are from or narrative they are part of that. And lastly, I'm just really excited about the art aspect of this session because through art, you really have to pursue the knowledge through your own interpretations and the information, though it can be given us through various like plaques and things in the museum, isn't just handed to you in an art exhibit. You have to really seek it out and pursue it and look at yourself and how you're analyzing the exhibit and that is a part of the entire experience. And this is quite different than a lot of our other sessions, as amazing as they've been. And I'm really excited about the element that art will bring into my classmates and I's experience at this exhibit and how it will reframe our knowledge of ourselves as well as history that it is trying to complicate. We are going to be toured around the exhibit by Antia Weitzel, and the exhibit is put on by NGBK. And there are actually two venues of the exhibit, which is Kunapak and NGBK, and they will be both running until January 21st. So I highly recommend, if you have time, to go and see them at either of these venues. I will be mainly focusing on the Kunapak exhibit, because that is the one that the whole class was able to visit. But after experiencing both, I highly recommend visiting both exhibits because they really both add different things to the experience. And just a little information about NGBK as an organization. They are an innovative venue for contemporary art. And each exhibit topic is chosen by the members of the organization through a democratic process. The organization wishes art to be viewed as a form of action that can have social impact, and this mission heavily influences the topics and art pieces they choose to exhibit. There are different artists at both the venues, but just to give credit to all of the artists that I reference in this podcast, I'm going to list the names. I apologize for any mispronunciation. Um, there are There is art by Akinboda Akinbi, Maria Teresa Alves, 
Hazan Akasegon and Akayan Sofuglu, Nathali Anguzomo Mbabakaro, Anais Harald Luisadat, Paulina Baudry and Renate Lorenz, AGF, Rajpamal Cologne, Suzanne Kreiman, Marisa Maza, Judith Raum, Matilda Tierhein, Katrine Winkler, and Moira Zoeto. I think this session at this exhibit really fulfills the mission and objective of this course because it problematizes the origin of knowledge, specifically for this exhibit from a post-colonial perspective, and it also points out the importance of the creation of knowledge from marginalized groups, specifically in this exhibit from women who are looking at women who were affected by the colonial erasure in Germany. And in general, this exhibit reframes history. It asks, you the, it asks you to question the origins of your own knowledge and understanding and unveils new narratives, which has been a large general theme in the entire course. I will be focusing on two of the art pieces in the exhibit that focus on the two overarching themes that I want to zone in on, which are the naming of people who have become nameless and the reframing of history. As soon as I walked into the exhibit, the work of Rajkamal Cologne confronted me through the lifelike eyes of the women in her layered paintings based on ethnographic photographs. Here is Antea Weitzel describing the significance and motivation behind the artist's work. You can see still these titles underneath the yard from Siam. I don't know if you're still using. I don't know if you're using. But yeah. Yes. And she uh, then started to overpaint these images. Say that you cannot recognize anymore uh, who is below, or she's creating a, a new persona in a way. And uh, these images, they were from a book uh, she found. And she, uh, of course, um, the book was of yeah, normal size, and she uh, enlarged it, first of all. And then she, uh, yeah, put uh, yeah, a certain um, yeah contemporary, I would say, uh, outfits, everybody's, but you can still see fragments of the images below. Mm -hmm. I think. And this is uh, what is quite important, and also this, this kind of naming that was connected. Uh, and the title is "Do you know our names?" So that already says a lot. Uh, it's quite, of course didn't have. Any name, there were just these. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah they, were not they were not named, they were not, uh, yeah, a certain subject of the So, yeah, would you like to, to add my Like in the, in the book, that Mother mentioned, it was like a book from also like early 20th century Germany, Austria, called The People of the World. And it was one of these really colonialist work, uh, I mean books, 
and uh, of course, like the representations of women, they just were there to represent a certain tribe or whatever, where they were coming from, and it was really humiliating how they were looking. They were not dressed. They were sometimes with shaved hair, but I think it's not important. You see that it's over, over painted, and the artist she describes this work that she is doing of giving them back, like Moira was saying, a persona. But she was of course dressing them. She was giving them makeup in a way. That's what she's saying all the time. So she got into a dialogue, and while she was blowing the pictures up, is in order that if you enter as a visitor, that you have a a counterpart on the other side. So if it would have been only this side, size, it wouldn't have been like you would think that it, there is somebody. So she really wanted to create this physical and uh, bodily experience also that you have the feeling that you, you are looking at somebody. The echoing sounds of the voiceovers from Mentatali Anguismo and Anais Harad Luistat interactive exhibit called On the Ruins of Paradise echoed throughout the exhibit while I visited, constantly drawing me to the back of the museum. Here is Antia Weitzel and a series of clips describing the intention of the interactive aspect of the piece and how it links to the exhibit's overall goal of reframing history and telling hidden stories. Women that were appearing in these movies that were all like somehow connected to some fantasies of other worlds, um, but were never, almost never named. And they tried to research about the stories of these women and especially also the names. That's why in the back you have also cushions or here already where they printed some names on because it's for them already super great to find at least the name, if they can't find the, the story, but to find the name. We invite people um, to get involved with all these stories and tries to make them also to activate it. Because of course, like how, should, how they presented it, it looks like an artwork and you don't need to activate it, but you could. It's also meant that you could rearrange it. History is not a fixed something that you can do something to it. You can create your own story. You can create other stories. It's, it's very important. It's very important that we see it as a ruin, that it's not somehow, it's fragmented. And it's also something that she wants like to, to experience people in order to understand that there are these fragments and it depends on you how you put it together as a story, uh, as, an, as a new story. What we were interested in is in all these also stories about it was like who can decide what what's knowledge that should be reproduced and that should be kept and that is archived and so on. It was very important to us to to really look at like who's who's allowed to speak about the world and create images about the world and how it's done and um, why there are so many gaps somehow, why, why are there so many untold stories.
I visited the exhibit at Kuna Park two times and had two remarkably different and equally influential experiences. The first visit I did with the entire class, I feel that I learned so much about the colonial history of Germany through Antea Weitzel's commentary and through the art pieces themselves. It was shocking to me that even though I had been living in Germany for over three months, the, talk, the topic of Germany's colonial presence in Namibia, among other African countries, in the late 18th to early 19th century was never mentioned or confronted. This makes the goal of this exhibit even more potent. It makes undeniable the fact that German colonialism and women involved have been erased in the common rhetoric of this country. My second visit to the museum's Museum's original intention was to record some supplementary audio, but it became something completely different when I encountered two young girls playing at the exhibit. Watching them interact with On the Ruins of Paradise brought out many themes in the museum for me, as well as emotions. Overall, my second visit to the museum brought out a lot of emotions in general for me, especially as I frequented the Paradise Art piece, re reading the signs such as I am so lonely here. It made the history feel heavy, as it should be. I first encountered the young German sisters as they sat playing on the typewriter. Initially, I was frustrated by this, since I had been meaning to record the sounds and type something on this interactive part of the exhibit. Looking at the typewriter as a tool to write history, this emotion gave me a window into the frustration of someone writing it instead of you, the urgency to tell your version of history instead of someone else's. Soon after, the, soon after, the girls invited me to play and type with them, and I realized that they had been continually typing their names onto the empty sheets of paper provided. This showed me their urgency to claim their identities, how much of themselves these girls stored in their names. This reaffirmed my belief that the attempt of the exhibit to reclaim the names of women that had been erased by colonialism is so important. In general, it was interesting to watch the girls interact with the exhibit. Unlike many adults I had seen frequent the museum, they were not hesitant picking up the signs or rearranging the pillows. One of them frequently would bring me things to do a small show and tell and then run back to place them in a new spot. By the time we left the On the Ruins of Paradise exhibit, the landscape was completely changed. As insignificant as this might seem, this gave me a bit of hope for the future of interactive art and a more inclusive history. Two small girls had, as silly as it may sound, rearranged history. So now I am going to have a discussion about the exhibit with two of my classmates. Hello, so we are here discussing with two classmates. I will let them briefly introduce themselves before we get into the discussion. Hi, I'm Bridget. I am a junior political science major and German minor from Louisville, Colorado. And I'm Caroline. I'm a senior uh, race, ethnicity, and migration studies major and feminist and gender studies minor. And I'm from outside Chicago in Highland Park, Illinois. Okay, so we are going to be discussing the same exhibit of Reframing Worlds that we've been talking about. And we're going to start off with some questions just to get it rolling. And so our first question is talking about the significance of naming an exhibit. Specifically, what role did the significance of names play in the exhibit as the artist attempted to reframe the history around colonialism and the women involved? Um, yeah, so I think um, what that kind... Are we talking about the exhibit at large? So any exhibit at large. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is the um, story about the woman who was princess of Zanzibar mm-hmm. and then ran away um, to get married and live in Europe mm-hmm. and then was renamed, I forget what her, it was mm-hmm. Emily. Name. Emily was her renaming, but Emily, I forget oh, yeah. what her, mm-hmm. her name like at birth was. Mm-hmm. But I think that that just provides a lot of commentary on naming and who gets to do the naming and who the name is for. Um, Because that sort of just set her up in two different ways of identity. And then Mm -hmm. she just was sort of put at this position where she was supposed to just toy with whichever one was most convenient and not even for her, especially when... Like, after her father died and her husband was like, I want you to reclaim all of your wealth, mm-hmm. but otherwise I want you to be Emily. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, her original name was Sida Salme, and then she was renamed as Emily Ruta when she came mm-hmm. to the West. Um, what I really am thinking about with naming is the, the exhibit called Do You Know Our Names, um, which was interesting and kind of ironic to me because the actual pieces um, didn't have the names of the women they were featuring, which our tour guide did explain that, um, the, I mean, the, the photographs that were that were used were in an ethnographic book, which was in itself extremely problematic and, you know, very essentializing of cultures. And, I mean, the person producing the photographs almost definitely, in my opinion, would not have asked for those women's names. Mm-hmm. So... There's the com- the complicated nature of the fact that that knowledge just simply is not accessible. Mm-hmm. However, it also sort of felt like kind of a I don't know. It was it was tough to like look at those photographs and the the tour guide was also explaining that like you know part of what the artist was trying to do by enlarging the pictures was to sort of increase the humanity of these women and mm-hmm. sort of just remind us as the viewers that they have identities, they have lives, they're people, um, and they're human beings. But it's it's so hard to, you know, fully appreciate that when we don't know their names. And I guess mm-hmm. that's kind of part of what the exhibit was trying to do also mm-hmm. was like, you know, it's uncomfortable that we don't know these women's names and you should sit in that discomfort because it's problematic that they were never named in this book. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that was part of what she was trying to do as well was with the, um, with the painting overlay of the clothing. But I also had some tough times with the clothing as well because um, Judy and I were talking about how... um, sort of the discomfort with nakedness is a very Mm -hmm. Western concept, which you were also talking about, Bridget. Um, And, you know, the tour guide kind of presented it as if the the fact that the artist was clothing these women, especially in modern clothing, that sort of almost, in her words, seemed to help humanize them Mm -hmm. um, as well. And perhaps that's true for some people, but I also and was uncomfortable with the fact that, you know, for um, presumably for many of these women, nakedness was not, you know, a concern. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something to be ashamed about. So sort of adding that 
col- I mean, not colonial, but adding that Western understanding mm-hmm. of what it means to be sort of truly human um, sort of clashed to me with the idea of the exhibit being a post-colonial mm-hmm. um, sort of not reclaiming right exactly exactly Mm -hmm. so I I had a hard time sitting with that personally yeah I felt like it was interesting though because it did interpret the past and the present Mm -hmm. which I understood was like a part of reframing history is Mm -hmm. you must think that like by reframing it you're reframing it in your perspective and that's the present perspective Mm -hmm. and so that does just bring up such a hard point where like it's such a valid goal and mission to go back Mm -hmm. and rethink narratives that weren't told or glazed over by different groups that were telling the history but also by doing that you're always going to have your perspective your bias like your Mm -hmm. westernized knowledge of those people and of those times even as you're trying to give them a voice and give narratives that didn't get put into the history books Mm -hmm. some like standing ground in the current place yeah. Which I think is challenging. I definitely, with names, definitely it was just a continued thing that came up, I feel like, as we went through each art piece. And even when we got to the back, which is about, like, the silent movie mm-hmm. by, or the exhibit about the silent movie by Nathali Ingranzo Mbibicaro and Anis Harand Luistat, where they very much attempted to influence, like, put the names into the exhibit give the women a voice with the voiceover that was coming through, just try to give them an identity, even as their identity was like symbolically covered up by this being a silent movie mm-hmm. about these women that were linked to colonialism. Right. And I thought the naming was a very powerful mm-hmm. part of that exhibit. Right. Because also like it would be ignorant to think that we can do anything but see the past from anything else but our mm-hmm. subjective contemporary perspective and like I mean we are all indoctrinated with western knowledge as people who grew up in America and were educated in America we have a perspective that was taught to us and it's a western perspective it's a colonial perspective Mm -hmm. and for me to to say that you know it's only problematic it's simply just problematic that Every, many of the things in the exhibit were sort of had this contemporary context put mm-hmm. upon them. Well, how else are we supposed to look at it, right? Mm-hmm. We can't we can't just pretend like we're going back into time and understanding things the way that they were when they existed. And mm-hmm. um, it's it's perhaps even ignorant to think that we could ever understand the exhibits in the way that the people who were featured in the exhibits would mm-hmm. want us to. We just, we don't know how. And that's not to say we shouldn't try. Yeah. And that's not to say that we shouldn't be very diligent in being faithful to and being respectful of the people who are featured in the exhibits. Mm-hmm. But it's also, you know, to a certain extent, we can't expect that we can be divorced from our contemporary, subjective, westernized perspective. Mm-hmm. So perhaps that's maybe what the artist was doing in the Do You Know Our Names exhibit was saying something like, well, this is how we understand things now. Mm -hmm. This is how the world sees history, whether we like it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not. So I'm going to present it in the way that we see history and be explicit about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was interesting when the guide said that the artist of the, the Do You Know Our Names piece 
said that she referred to it as putting on makeup for Mm -hmm. them Mm -hmm. and that she was very explicit in the fact that she had her own overlay of makeup and that this wasn't a pure recreation because it can't be but that she tried to make it big and that when you would enter the exhibit that you would have a bodily experience of someone looking Mm -hmm. at back at you Mm -hmm. like they're holding you accountable for for the discomfort, like what yeah. you were saying, that mm-hmm. this is a new interpretation and this isn't really who these women were either because we can't know, right. but they're mm-hmm. staring back at you even if it's not exactly how it was, how they would paint themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's painted in a way that's not the dom- dominant ideology, right. which I think is a similar approach to the the rearranging exhibit mm-hmm. that you can change the story and that there's not one way to write it mm-hmm. and even if the voices that it theoretically should be told in just can't be accessed anymore because we can't go back and find those women that at least the narratives are not one dominant colonial right. narrative not mm-hmm. they're actively working against reinforcing yeah. colonial perspectives mm-hmm. so yeah, and that moves on to the next topic really greatly. So, like, how did the interaction aspect of the exhibit in the back um, link to the overall intention of the exhibit as a whole and its intention of, like, reframing or recategorizing this history, this colonial history in Germany that's been glazed over in many mm-hmm. aspects? I, I appreciated the intention... Well, not intention, but the fact that you could interact with and rearrange the exhibit and the tour guide she said something about how um, you know our our understandings of history are never static mm-hmm. they're never um, they're are, they are constructed and we need to acknowledge that you know our understandings can change and do change and that particular influences are um, influencing the way that we understand history, and so that was that sort of that comment really connected with, for me, connected to the fact that you like could physically interact with the exhibit because you mm-hmm. are part of structuring the way that not only you see the exhibit but everyone else sees it too. Mm-hmm. And even if someone else doesn't like the way you rearranged it, they can rearrange it too. Mm-hmm. So I also appreciated that that was acknowledging that you know we all have our constructed perspectives and we all have subjective understandings of history and they're different um and that that doesn't look the same for everyone so just acknowledging that we don't all see things the same way and the way that we see things are influenced by certain um you know perspective understandings of the ways that we're taught mm-hmm. i just i thought that was a good way of communicating that yeah, it's definitely very interesting also just because it almost spoke to the danger of the fact that history can be constantly rearranged. Mm-hmm. Just there was this moment when I think most people had left, but at Tia, there was like the large like kind of pillowcases that had names on them were all piled in the corner and you couldn't mm-hmm. really see them. And she intentionally like took them all out and laid them out so you could read all the names. Mm-hmm. And though that was obviously like a spontaneous event and was not a part of the exhibit as it was intended, it was very powerful just because it was like it's so easy to forget about people and their names and their stories and crimes that were committed against them but just someone coming in and very intentionally being like no this must be remembered this is important like history can be rewritten in positive and negative ways Mm -hmm. depending on who's writing it right 
which the material for the exhibit is presented in a way that's supposed to give agency back to a lot of stories that have had it be revoked, mm-hmm. and at the same time really emphasizes the process, mm-hmm. which was also mentioned in one of the, the clips that you played back for us about how the exhibit is not about colonialism, but about the effects we see it having today, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really interesting because all of the material was supposed to confront you with the fact that there are all these stories that are just waiting to be heard and have been forgotten or overshadowed and Mm -hmm. then and silenced yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and absolutely silenced and that there are ways to bring that back even if we if some of it is going to be lost and there's no perfect way to do it but Mm -hmm. there are certainly ways to try Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I also really liked the typewriter aspect of it yeah that was awesome which was really cool and also that it was it was there but it wasn't the whole thing Mm -hmm. so it was like this is a way of history this is a way where we write stories down but there are ways that history exists that aren't preserved in this very streamlined way Mm -hmm. and that you could even type your own things onto the story Mm -hmm. onto the typewriter and they had papers of things people had typed in the past in Mm -hmm. all different languages Mm -hmm. on the same papers that were stacked and just the ways that things are preserved in written history and in more implicit structures Mm -hmm. and what gets forgotten and whose stories get to be told and remembered I also, I really liked the typewriter aspect as well because it also felt like a way to be reciprocal about observing the Mm -hmm. exhibit but also sort of contributing to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I know Professor Lewis has, part of our autobiographical autobiographical ending is to say, like, what did you take from the class but also what did you give to the class? Because you can't just have one or the other. You can't just take and take and take knowledge and Mm -hmm. not contribute knowledge in return. So I really appreciated the typewriter aspect and I I spent a lot of time looking through um, like what other people had typed on the sheets. I Mm -hmm. thought that was so wonderful to be able to read how other people were existing in the exhibit or just, you know, writing down whatever they wanted to write down. There were a, a couple of sort of creative snippets that I read and mm-hmm. there was um, a poem in Ger- German I think uh, which I was not able to read but um, just it was really wonderful to have the chance to also contribute to the exhibit when you're obviously getting so much out of it mm-hmm. it felt like I'm not simply being a spectator and I'm not yeah. simply just sort of observing these histories without Um, contributing anything in return Mm -hmm. yeah I also thought the sound of it was really powerful just because it was very deliberately loud like it was Mm -hmm. like a typewriter is not easily ignored even when you're listening to a tour guide and experiencing exhibit and I thought I don't know if this is a way it's supposed to be interpreted but like it just kind of made it sound like like history is still going Mm -hmm. like this is just like the constant like writing and rewriting is occurring now by whoever is sitting there and just like was a very symbolic sound, which is another thing I wanted to bring up because there was like the overlay of women speaking over mm-hmm. that entire part of the exhibit. And I just wanted to discuss like, what did that add? Was it distracting? Was it eerie? Did it create kind of like mm-hmm. a ghost presence for these women? And did it make them seem like less real or more real because their voices or people's voices were present? I thought it really walked a line with that because it brings up a disembodiment element Mm -hmm. of it where these are stories where people 
have from people whose bodies have always been put on the line in ways that they shouldn't have been and right. that there's now this eerie thing where they have a voice that's often been silenced without the bodily presence mm-hmm. and kind of the disconnect within that has been I think a part of history a lot of the time that you have a physical presence that's threatened when you give it a voice mm-hmm. and it was definitely eerie and also very contributed to the anonymity that was throughout the exhibit of these women in that it wasn't a single voice it wasn't really a cohesive story in any way it was just mm-hmm. these it was very fragmented mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, it was I agree with you that it towed the line between being helpful and distracting because mm-hmm. especially when um, we were trying to listen to what the tour guide was saying to us mm-hmm. it, it, I mean like the, it was a loud part of the exhibit and it was such a small exhibit that you can hear it throughout the whole thing so mm-hmm. it, I find myself kind of struggling to hear what the tour guide was saying but also like wanting to hear what the voiceover was saying but mm-hmm. you know you kind of have to focus on one <laughs> at a time because yeah. you can't focus on both at the same time um, so it was, I mean, yeah, it was It was difficult for me to concentrate on other things when that was so prominent, but I also think that that was part of the intention as well, as, mm-hmm. um, and seemed sort of like part of the attention, intention of the exhibit was to, like, you know, sit in the fact that you are uncomfortable. You're mm-hmm. not supposed to have one singular understanding. It's not supposed to be any sort of finalized, mm-hmm. resolved understanding of ev- anything because, you know, the way history is, is it's not, It's. I mean, history isn't how it's told in te- textbooks, right? Mm-hmm. It's not linear. It's not, yeah, it's not linear. It's not one easy thing not happening decisive. right after, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So there, which, so that sort of kind of spoke to me to the fact that, like, this is maybe a more truthful telling of history is like, you know, you have multiple things going at you being really distracting and like you have to work to, you know, understand what you want to understand and pay attention to what you want to pay attention to. So, um, as, as difficult as that made it, it felt more, um, truthful in the way that, it, that, that was the way that the exhibit was, mm-hmm. um, because exactly that was kind of the point of the whole post-colonial thing is like I mean history is not easy it's not easily Mm -hmm. told and the way that we're told colonial history is problematic almost always Mm -hmm. and erases and silences so many people and voices and lives so to have that voiceover that was sort of almost overpowering Mm -hmm. was not only I felt served to like you were saying try to give some voices back to these women even if it wasn't their voices mm-hmm. originally yeah. but it was sort of forcing you to realize that these women did have voices and they were people mm-hmm. and they you know like we were talking about earlier it sort of humanized them mm-hmm. in some ways um so at, even if it was distracting it like maybe that was a good thing you know mm-hmm. it shouldn't have been easily tuned out because yeah. I would have wanted those voices to be present and kind of overpowering yeah. because of the very silencing that had been existing previously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely an intentional volume that it was set, that it was like, this is not something that you can just brush off. This is not something that you can't pay attention to, which I feel like really was powerful in that exhibit because that's what it was saying. It's just mm-hmm. like colonial history has been 
dissipated here like it's just not talked about and Mm -hmm. it's just unaware of so I did like the portion of it was just like you can't ignore this it's just in your face Mm -hmm. like loud and there and just like all the visual like interpretations of all the exhibits as well and so, yeah. Is there anything else you guys want to add about the exhibit? Um, I just thought we should touch briefly on the postcard element mm-hmm. of it because I thought that was something that kind of wrapped up a lot of what we've been saying about the fact that it's not an exhibit that you leave feeling like you've got it and mm-hmm. you've understood it and you're yeah. done and you can move on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's just all of these stories that are disconnected from, from the people that should that have agency over them because Mm -hmm. we can't trace it because they've been silenced in the past Mm -hmm. and that the postcards had a picture that did not correspond to a story Mm -hmm. and that really what you have to find is this mess in between of connecting Mm -hmm. whose story is whose and who Mm -hmm. got silenced where and whose story got retold and how um and that it was a lot of art reinterpreting silencing and Mm. giving noise back to it Mm -hmm. and I thought that especially the parts that you could take those postcards and you could take them away Mm -hmm. contributed Mm -hmm. to the fact that we're a part of history now and we're a part of digging up the past and that's something Mm -hmm. that you are never gonna check off and move on from Mm -hmm. right yeah Yeah. I totally agree with that It, it was disconcerting for sure when our tour guide was like yeah the pictures don't correspond to the stories on the back and at first I was like kind of frustrated about that because I wanted to know the you know who the women on the postcards were but I mean I am totally with you it's Mm -hmm. I think it was very I mean obviously it was very intentional in um sort of communicating that like our understandings will never be final they'll Mm -hmm. never be you know complete And even if you think you have it, you probably don't because, you know, whatever history you're reading is undoubtedly going to silence or be problematic in some way. And so just like seeing those postcards and, you know, they draw you in, they're they're beautiful and you want to pick them up and you want to take them with you and you want to know more about them. But they're also sort of a forcible reminder that you, I mean, you, you can't have a complete understanding of who these women were because the the tellings of their history and their narratives are mm-hmm. necessarily flawed. Mm-hmm. And so you're not, you wouldn't be able to have a full understanding anyway. So like, let's get that out in the open. Let's acknowledge it. And like, mm-hmm. it's, it was a really, I thought it was a helpful reminder that, you know, like you aren't going to leave here feeling resolved and that's okay because mm-hmm. maybe you shouldn't. Yeah. They were very much like a reminder of the like, amorphous unsolvability of history mm-hmm. which is great and also frustrating <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well thanks guys thank you just to give some references from the discussion and give credit where credit is due the two are pieces that were not referenced in the rest of the podcast that bridget referenced in the discussion The one about the princess being renamed when she moved to the West is a part of Maria Theresa Alves' art piece, which is called Wake the Flight of Birds and People. And the postcard exhibit that was referenced at the end of the the discussion is by Matilda Teohain, which is called Women to Go. And I just wanted to use this last bit of time to extend a really heartfelt thanks to NGBK for this great exhibit.
and a heartfelt thanks to Antea Weitzel for a great tour. <laughs>